This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 161. This episode is brought to you by the Homeschool Style Company. If you're on the lookout for some really cute new t-shirts for the summer months, then you will love what they have to offer over at the Homeschool Style Company. I especially love their new t-shirt that says, learning is a lifestyle. Whether you're looking for something for homeschool dads or homeschool moms, or maybe the homeschool kids, you will love what they have to offer. Wear it proudly while teaching at home or co-op, or when you're on homeschool field trips. So you can find them at 41more.com forward slash style. Welcome to episode 161. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 161. Today we're chatting with Beth Harold. She's the founder and CEO of Outside the Box Creation. And we're chatting about how to be comfortable doing homeschool art, even if you don't consider yourself an artsy person. So this was a really fun conversation. We will give you a bunch of ideas, things to think about, um, encouragement, ways to get started, what should you have in your art supply drawer at your homeschool, you know, all these things that you are wondering about homeschool art. So even if you don't feel competent enough to do a really good job teaching art, I think after you listen to this chat I had with Beth, you will change your mind. So there's a lot of encouragement here, some resources for you to check out. And so we will put links to everything mentioned in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 161. Before we jump into my conversation with Beth, I wanted you to know that she's giving my listeners an exclusive coupon code to save $6 off their first box from OutsideTheBoxCreation.com. Just use the coupon code MOXIEART for $6 off, and I'll put all the details in the show notes. All right, listen in and be encouraged. Here's my conversation with Beth Harold. All right, Beth, we're so glad to have you here today. Tell us, tell us where you live. I thought it was interesting to find out where you live. Well, uh, we live in the Seattle area. Um, and three years ago, we fled the city and moved to an island called Whidbey Island. That's awesome. So you said you have to take some ferries to get there. That's such a unique um, living experience, I'm sure. So that's pretty fun. So yes. tell us a bit about yourself and your background in art. What, 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 how did that all start? Were you always interested in art as a kid? Did you study art? How did that all play out? Yeah, I, I have been making art since I was probably, you know, five or something. And I decided to major in art in college because actually I thought it was harder then uh, some of the other more concrete subjects. But when people asked my dad what I was, quote, taking up in college, he would say space mostly because he didn't think that that was a really valid thing to do. So I um, concentrated in interior design and I was a commercial designer for quite a few years and then got a master's in whole systems design, organizational development. And my 
career went into not a traditional creative kind of place. But meanwhile, I had three kids. And when they entered elementary school in the public schools, I was absolutely appalled at the lack of um, art, of visual arts, quality visual arts. A lot of our elementary schools in Washington state, and I know a lot of other states, don't even have paid art teachers in the elementary schools, which is just horrifying. So I became an art docent, AKA unpaid art teacher, volunteer, uh, in my kids' classrooms for over 12 years and did a lot of, of supplementing with them at home. And then when they aged out, I started training the uh, docents in the district and I um, also taught art at a juvenile detention center and at um, uh, an intentional drop-in space for homeless youth and young adults. And I just have been so struck by the power of art to help the kids blossom and grow into the, the human beings that we all want our kids to be. So why did you start Outside the Box Creation? That is such a cool background, too. I was going to mention when I read on your site, like that where how you were taken into the detention centers and stuff, I thought that is really neat because those are some of the, you know, forgotten segments of society. So I, I think that's so cool that you did that. But why did you begin out, Outside the Box Creation? Well, I, I was watching the funding as I was training and coordinating the docents in the district still. Um, in addition to my full-time job, I was watching the funding for the arts get worse and not better and just thinking how horrible that was. And then I saw the whole subscription box thing happening and thought, oh my gosh, I need to do this because I know that parents are overwhelmed. When I um, had little kids, my oldest was super science guy. And as you can tell from my background, I am not science mom. Uh, So I would buy a lot of quote, kits at that time for him. And they were horrible. They were super expensive. I couldn't even figure them out, much less my seven-year-old. And um, and then they were this kind of a one and done where you did this one thing or put this catapult together or whatever, and then that's it after 20 minutes. And so I thought, no, I know how to do this so that I can give parents all of the stuff that they need, the supplies and the, the skills that they need to bring art to their kids. Cool. Now, you know, we'll, we'll get into your, what outside the box creation can bring to homeschool families, but let's first talk about homeschool art. Let's talk about this because as the, the title of this episode is how do you get comfortable doing homeschool art, even if you're not artsy. And this is true. There's a lot of moms who are intimidated at the thought of doing art. If they, well, they never had a great art education themselves. They're not artsy. Like what do you say to moms who are in that mindset of this is something I absolutely can't do? Yeah, I hear that a lot. And uh, the first thing I would say is you are absolutely uniquely qualified to do homeschool art with your child or children. And the first thing that you need to do is switch it from teaching them art to discovering the art project with your child. And I think that is super important because, first of all, it takes all the pressure off of you. You do not have to be an art expert or consider yourself artsy. I I would also say that you are artsy and you are creative, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, But once you switch your mindset to let's discover this project together, 
then it takes the pressure off of you. And it also takes you out of that expert role with your child. Because if your child who looks up to you, of course, views you as the expert in art, then they will even inadvertently try to make their art look like your art. They will try to emulate what you're doing, which actually keeps them from getting all that good stuff that we want them to get from art, right? Of be making their own creative decisions and creative problem solving, taking risks, all of the things that give their brain and their um, social emotional learning all of all of the good stuff that we want them to get from art. And what you're saying should resonate with homeschool moms because this is what I talk about all the time on the podcast is you can learn alongside your kids, right? You don't have to know everything. You're just like the person that helps them get resources and sets them up with, you know, experts or whatever, right? Like we don't have to know everything to teach our kids. And you're right. Having that posture of learning as the parent is super helpful for our kids saying, look, you don't have to know everything. You can learn it at any age, right? So exactly. And then you're modeling also a growth mentality, lifelong learning. I've never done this before either. Mm -hmm. Let's try risk taking all of those things that we want to model for them. That's right. So, so the bottom line is take the pressure off homeschool moms. You can do this, right? So if a mom's okay, she's starting to come around. She's saying, okay, maybe I can do this. How do you suggest moms dip their toes into this? How do you like, what are the simplest ways to get started with, with kind of teaching art in your homeschool? Yeah, I think, um, also let me just add even professional artists, If you talk to any of them, they'll tell you they have to make a lot of really bad paintings to get to the good one. You know, that's that's the whole thing about art. But I think um, the first thing would be to give your child some constraints and then let let them tackle whatever they want within those guidelines. I'm a huge fan of give structure and then within that structure, give a ton of freedom. So what that looks like is you might say something like, today we're going to do watercolor. You might even say, today we're going to do watercolor only using the primary colors. We're, we're all sort of afraid to give our kids um, fewer choices, but actually there's a lot of research that says that when you limit choices, you actually up the creativity and the creative problem solving. And if your child is a, a kiddo who gets easily overwhelmed, the worst thing you can do is lay out a ton of different art supplies and just say, have at it. I, my three kids that never worked. And, and a couple of my kids are really, really super creative, but they would get super overwhelmed if I laid out a bunch of art supplies. So to, to give the structure of like today, we're going to do watercolor. And then um, you might show a couple of techniques Super simple techniques, and you could um, you can get those from us. You can go to YouTube and type in how to do a watercolor wash, let's say, and just show how to do a watercolor wash. You show your child, like if you're using those pan watercolors, you show your child how to go first and drip water on each of the colors and then how to kind of dance their brush a little bit forcefully on each of the colors. The biggest thing I see with kids is that they don't pick up enough pigment on their brush So too much water, not very much paint. And then when it dries, it dries lighter. And then they're like, where did my painting go? (laughs) So so you say, okay, today we're going to do watercolor. 
you show how to do a wash, you show how to get paint on the brush. And then within that, have at it. If you just want to paint different colors that you find beautiful, that's great. If you want to do a landscape, that's great. But, but you let them experiment. That's really helpful. I don't know if I've ever heard that um, advice. And you are so right. Many kids will get, they, they won't even know how to start if you just lay everything out and say, you know, just use all this stuff and make whatever you want. You're right. They kind of need a little more structure. I, that's very helpful. Um, I love that. So that's a great suggestion for getting started. Now, what about the topic of crafts? Because a lot of us do crafts, you know, that's easy to see on Pinterest. Everyone has these cute crafts. Is that the same as art? What's your opinion on that whole crafts versus art? Oh, thank you for asking that question. And it actually plays into this because I would say also that when you show them some techniques and stuff, unless your kiddo, you know your kiddo and and they really, really, really need to see an example. And there are some kids on the spectrum that do. I would really shy away from showing any examples of what it could look like at the end product. And that ties in with the crafts because the difference between arts and crafts is when you do a craft, you're trying to make your thing look like this, this thing, the example. And crafts are not bad at all. Crafts can give kids uh, new skills. They can feel a pride in their workmanship, um, all sorts of things like that. But crafts do not give them good stuff that we want them to get from art. Because when a kid is trying to make their thing look like the example thing, um, first of all, it takes away all the creativity. And if you look stuff up on Pinterest, even if you put in kids art projects, probably 95% of what you're going to find, I would say, is a craft. Even if it is Monet or a famous artist, you're still having your kid draw water lilies like Monet. That's a whole another subject why we don't just copy the masters, but your child's probably never even seen a water lily in real life. They don't even know what it is. And when you show them this end project product and they replicate it, if they're able to replicate it, there could be a sense of satisfaction. But a lot of kids then um, their thing won't look like the end thing. And especially if your child is a perfectionist, that can lead to a ton of frustration uh, really negative self-talk, uh, lower self-esteem, depression. They can decide they don't like art. They don't want to do it again. All of that stuff. Now, on the flip side, I'm not saying that art should be like haphazard, like, okay, have at it, do whatever you want, and then we walk away. It's not that either, because there's also a lot on Pinterest about process art, you know, dipping your hands in paint and doing all sorts of stuff or using a fork or whatever. Um, it is about the process, but then you, you want to step back and ha help your child reflect on how the process went, what they like about the art. Can we talk a little bit about how to talk to your child about their art? That would be great. Yep. Okay. Cause that's the other thing that I hear about a lot. Um, so you know, we're all human beings. And the first thing most of us parents want to say when we see a piece of art that our child did is, oh, what is it? Right? I mean, that just flies out of our mouths. But um, instead of saying, what is it? I would encourage you to say, oh, can you tell me about your art? 
and then you get quiet and you let your child talk. And if it's the first time or the second time you've done this or your child is a little bit younger, you know, you may not get a ton out of them at first. So you really have to be quiet and let there be this uncomfortable pause and let your child tell you about their art. And then you can um, probe a little bit deeper, like, um, can you say more? Or you might ask specific questions like, oh, so why are those people bigger than the other people? And you might think in your head as a parent, well, the big people are the, are the adults and the little people are the kids. You might find out it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It isn't anywhere close to what you thought. Art, like reading, is a meaning-making activity. So even though your child may not realize it, they're making meaning out of, out of things in their heads. And the more that you ask the questions and they reflect on why they made certain choices and the planning process they went through, even though they're not probably aware they went through a planning process, then the more um, they'll develop their, their, um, their verbal skills and be able to express things and the more nuanced and detailed their artwork will be the next time and the next time and the next time. So, or you might, um, I would also avoid phrasing like, oh, that's so pretty. I love it. And that's hard to do. It's hard to not do that if you, if you do love something, but instead say things like, oh, can you tell me why you use those two colors together? That's super interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. Or, um, I love how hard you worked on that, or I love the detail that you put in there. So you're praising something that's more concrete instead of this lofty goal that's sort of hard to reach of it's so pretty, right? Um, let's see. I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah, and so so the, then the more that they talk, then the more that will help them next time. And if your child says, I don't like it, I hate this, you might say, hmm, what do you hate about it? Or is there an area within the picture that you like and you don't like the rest of it? And why do you like that? So to get them to reflect on that, like, oh, yeah, I like this one area over here because I like these two colors together. But over here, it got kind of muddy because I I added too much water or whatever. So again, you can see how that plays out where next time they do art, they'll have learned that knowledge about what they enjoy, why they enjoy it and what they don't enjoy. Wow. That, okay. That's something I never would have thought about is have a conversation about what we're doing. That's like, that's not something I would have thought to do with art, but that is super helpful with the whole, what did you say? The art is like, um, what did you say? It's like reading because it's what? What was that? It's a, mean, it's a meaning making activity. Okay. And I just wrote a blog post that's on my site about how art can actually help your child be a reader because art helps them, you know, convey thoughts and feelings that they may not have the verbal ability for at this time. So by tying that together and getting them to talk about their art, you're helping their verbal skills, uh, cognitive skills, their visual literacy in the world today, when we're such a visual society, all sorts of different things. It's not just about the art, but it really helps with the art too. 
I love that. And we will get a link to that uh, blog post in the show notes because I think that will be an interesting connection for a lot of homeschool moms to read about. So when you were talking about supplies, um, some of us can get a little overwhelmed, like where do you start? What are the basics? What would you say for, you know, homeschool families on a budget, don't want to go out and buy every little thing. What are the main supplies we should have on hand for doing these kind of art projects and activities? Right. And I would say, first of all, that your most important supply is your your brain, your child's brain, your mindsets on how you approach the art. That's by far the most important supply. Um, and if you have crayons, uh, a set of watercolors, I, I'm also a big advocate for we want to get um, good quality enough supplies so that it doesn't create frustration on the kids' parts. Like a lot of brushes that are sold as kids' brushes are horrible, just absolutely horrible. But you also don't need to get stuff that's so expensive that it's precious. Um, like watercolor paper is important if you're going to do watercolor because, you know, if you try to watercolor on a piece of printer paper, it's just going to kind of curl up and be super frustrating. But watercolor paper, you can pay you know, $5 for a pad of watercolor paper, or you can pay $25 for a sheet of watercolor paper. It, you know, it runs the gamut. So like um, some of the brands I like for, for paper, Strathmore is, um, has a kid's line of pads and they have a paint pad that's watercolor paper. They have a marker pad, they have a pastel pad, that sort of thing. Um, and then for like watercolors, um, say Faber-Castell is a good one. Um, I'm blanking out on some of the others. Um, and, and brushes, uh, Uli, Faber-Castell, Uli, I think is O-O-L-Y. Um, so really kind of middle of the range, <clears throat> actually lower middle, but you just want to make sure it's not. I mean, I've ordered some for my business where I get them out of the package and think, you've got to be kidding. This, this isn't even a brush, you know, like the, the tip is all stuck together and that sort of thing. Um, so crayons, watercolor, you might have some other type of paint, like an acrylic or a tempera. <clears throat> I'm not a fan of typical, um, finger paints. I love the idea of kids doing tactile finger painting, but I hate the paper that's sold typically and the, the finger paints. If you want to do something like that, there are water soluble oil paints um, that are just buttery and luscious and lovely to touch if your child is really tactile. Um, and I have also a blog post about doing art with your non-neurotypical kiddo and talk a little bit about supplies in there. Um, and then I would add in there something that's three-dimensional like clay. And my favorite clay for kids is creative paper clay is the name of it. It's made, it's totally non-toxic. It's made from paper and it's air dry and it's soft and malleable. A lot of times parents will go on Pinterest and they, they find FEMO projects Fimo is not easy to use. It's really stiff and hard and you have to get it really warm and stuff. And I, I just don't find that kids feel super successful with Fimo. Going back to the water-soluble oils too, um, and I have this in the blog post, you do need to be mindful of 
not buying uh, different pigments that are toxic. And so typically when you purchase something like online, you'll see a little symbol because California has really um, super tight laws about Proposition 65, even to the point where clear rulers are considered carcinogenic because I guess if you ate it, you know, so take it a little bit with a grain of salt, but in paints, like the cadmiums in particular, there are a few pigments that are toxic. You can also just Google which pigments, which paint colors are toxic and they'll come up really easily. So what about kids? I think you kind of started to mention you had a blog post about this, but what about homeschool art for kids who have those learning struggles or, you know, how does it really benefit them? I, I mean, I know it benefits everyone, but I know, I think you've talked about um, how it really helps our kids who struggle with like typical school subjects. Can you talk a bit about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I think, it, I think it's particularly important for kids who struggle in some of the, the um, main subjects and you can tie other subjects in with the art and make it a very palatable way to, to approach those subjects. My middle son, is ADHD and had some visual processing issues. And anytime he got to be creative when he did a project, it was amazing. But if he just had to sit down and write a paper, it would, you know, oh my gosh, it was so painful. I'm sure all of you can relate, right? Mm -hmm. My oldest son is also on the spectrum, probably more toward the Asperger's part of the spectrum. He's a software developer now. He's doing great. But um, he was very, what the teachers call tactically defensive. He didn't want to touch things, which caused a lot of problems in school. He wouldn't put his fingers in the glue pots and that sort of thing. I was kind of glad about that because I thought kids were sneezing and putting their fingers in the glue pots. But like he would, he would go hungry rather than eat a sandwich and get his hands dirty, right? So um, for those types of kids, art can pose some challenges, but there are some really good ways to get around it. You know, you can get some really uh, great gloves for kids if they're afraid of getting dirty. Um, and if your child is, is one who is either tactically defensive or, or is one who just wants to dive in and get covered with paint, you know, you, it's how you set it up, how you set the boundaries. I would stay away from anything that has an odor to it because that might cause your child to not be able to participate in the project or to, you know, we always used to joke in the corporate setting when you walked out of a meeting and the adults had um, different color markers, marker marks all over their noses that they must've used those smelly markers. <laughs> you know, that's like, we're still like that as adults, right? Kids are like that. Um, and then if your child is a perfectionist, I hear that a lot. I would, um, try to work on projects that aren't meant to be a finished project. So you could just say today we're going to play with watercolor and we're just going to do watercolor washes or, um, and I have some suggestions in that blog post of some different activities, or you could do cooperative, um, which actually could help some kids let go of that perfectionist outcome, or it could actually drive some kids super crazy to have to let go of it. So you have to know your child, of course, but where um, like you're doing cooperative doodling and you hand it back and forth or cooperative painting, or if you have more than one child where everybody does a little bit and then passes it down the, the way to the next person. And then a lot of kids can let go of it and say, well, I didn't have control over that whole thing, you know? 
some kids, again, that would drive them crazy. Um, and then also limiting uh, for some kids, you know, you may only do art for 20 minutes at a time and then you walk away. Um, some kids just have a lot of trouble transitioning to the next activity if they don't feel like they've completed that one. And so really setting the, the boundary that we're only going to do this for 20 minutes, we'll come back to it tomorrow, you know, that sort of thing, giving the warnings of, okay, we're 10 minutes in, that sort of thing. Awesome. Okay, so I know we don't have a ton of time left, but let tell us a little bit about the resources and products you have at Outside the Box Creation. What can families find, different price ranges, and how do we use them and that type of thing? Okay, super. Um, yes, so um, we, we have our boxes. It's a subscription box. And um, a couple of the cool things that makes us different is each month it comes with a picture book that relates to the lesson, because that's how I like to teach. I like to read a book with kids first. And um, sometimes it's about an artist. Sometimes um, the illustrations show a technique that we're going to learn. Um, like this month, um, we're doing uh, watercolor pencil paintings of yummy food, love like kids' favorite foods. That's the project. So the book is the um, super fun classic, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where it's all food raining down from the sky kind of thing. Um, or sometimes it's just kind of a mind-opening book. Sometimes it ties it in with history or math or science. Um, uh, next month, it's uh, in June, it's about texture real felt texture versus texture that's just visual texture. And then they're going to make collages out of texture rubbings that they do. And the book is, um, I think it's called Full Size. And it's all these different animal collages with textured paint, painted paper. Um, so the box, the other thing that makes us unique is it's not super prescriptive, like that craft project that we talked about. So we give a structure. And then within that, we say things like, you're the artist, you get to make this decision, you could do this, if you don't want to do this, you could do this or come up with your own, try this, try this. And there's always um, the main project is usually results in one to two pieces of artwork. And then there's always an if you want more, that's usually another one. And they get full-size supplies, so um, they will um, usually have supplies left over, and they can, if they like that medium, they can keep doing it until the next box comes. Instead of just like a lot of the kits, they, they repackage things like paint, so they only get just enough to do this one thing. Right. And then um, our regular-size boxes accommodate one to two artists, the larger boxes, the family size accommodate three to four. So I hear from homeschool parents that sometimes they'll have four kids ranging in age from five to 17, and they can all kind of work at their own level. I think a lot of them can stretch it a little bit farther than that too, if you're willing to share a little bit more or augment with some paper. Um, we don't give like four of everything, but we're super purposeful about what each child should have of their own and what they can share. Um, and then we also have a digital membership. So if you're the kind of homeschool parent who already has a stash of art supplies, 
then um, you just download the project plan and print it out. And there's a resources page with videos and all sorts of stuff. And you'll get an email ahead of time saying what supplies you'll need. And we try to say things like, well, we used watercolor for this, but if you have tempera or you have acrylic, those would work too. We used oil pastels, but if you have crayons, that would work too. So that hopefully you can mostly use what you have. And then there are links if you just need to purchase one or two things from Amazon. I love how you have all those options. So digital and you have the actual box that comes and this is like month by month, right? Like, so families can sign up on a monthly basis. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the month to months, you can cancel at any time. We also have prepaids. So if you're using educational funds, which some people do through like a virtual school, um, we do accept purchase orders and they, they use the prepaid subscriptions and those do not auto renew because they're, they're not allowed to. I always think these types of things, like the boxes, you know, homeschool art in a box. I always think these are great ideas for grandparents when they're like, okay, what do we get the kids for Christmas? What do we get them for their birthday? It's like, you don't need more toys laying around. Like get something that's hands-on, that's educational, right? So I think these are great suggestions to give the grandparents. So we literally have a few minutes left before Zoom cuts us off. But did you want to just give final encouragement to our, you know, non-artsy moms, so to speak, as we wrap up? Yes. Well, I would, I just want to repeat, you absolutely are uniquely qualified to do homeschool art with your child. And I hope you do. And I hope you do it with them. I also have a blog post about why you'll never regret doing art with your child. Because again, you can model all of those good things about a growth mentality and lifelong learning. And I also hear frequently from moms who say, oh my gosh, I'm 42 and I just realized I love play. Or I was uh, FaceTiming with a mom up in Alaska and she walked me over to an oil pastel drawing that she did that was framed on the wall. And they said that they enjoy it just as much as the kids do. So, you know, you're really sharing a time together and creating memories. And it's, it's a lovely thing to do with your child. It's also a lovely thing to do on an intergenerational basis with a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, a godparent, even uh, you go out and uh, you want the babysitter to not let them sit in front of the television. It's a great thing to have the babysitter do with them. I love it. Thank you so much, Beth, for joining us today and giving us some encouragement and inspiration and actually practical ideas too. I love that. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 161, where we will have links to everything that Beth mentioned in this chat today. Don't forget to use the exclusive coupon code MOXIEART for $6 off your first box from outsidetheboxcreation.com. I'll put the details in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling. 